Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. So let's go ahead and get started. I am really excited about our EJS students. We love EJS. And and the reason that we love it so much is that our students come in one way and they go out another way. Um, If there's no transformation and no fruit, you just need to shut it down. And so we've seen incredible fruitfulness from this school. And um, and so I'm really excited about that. And the, the lives of the people who have been touched by it, they've gone on to do great things for the Lord and really live lives of freedom. How many of you know, man, if you're not free, it's a hard life to live. Um, and so I just um, am excited. I'm excited about uh, Freedom Party Weekend. We call it a party because, you know, better get those demons out than in, right? And uh, you're going to do a lot of laughing. You're going to do a lot of crying. You're going to do a lot of manifesting um, during EJS. So if it starts to happen, baby, just let it go. Let it happen. You know, we love it when you manifest. When you start getting angry, we go, praise the Lord. When you start crying, we're like, praise the Lord. But anyway, all right, let's get started. Um, I'm going to share with you tonight. This is, uh, this is lesson number one. You all got notes. And so a lot of these notes, I'll walk you through these. I know you're probably a little nervous right now because you're like, wow, this is really a lot, but it's okay. I'm pretty sure I can do this in 30 minutes. I'm a professional. Uh-oh, uh-oh. No, not the baby. That is a new baby, brand new. Um, all right. So I have titled this particular part of my um, Kings and Priests series, The Prophetic Journey of Storehouse and the House of Zerubbabel. Um, Habakkuk 2.2 tells us to write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. And so um, my, my goal in this whole, throughout this whole teaching and this whole class is that you would, I can explain to you, I can share with you some of the prophetic history of our house. Um, you know, it's really important to understand history so you can kind of know where you're going. And as I go through this class, a lot of you are going to have aha moments. It has happened in every single class that we've taught. Now, I have some good news and some bad news. Um, the, the, the good news is that um, the truth of the word of God and the truth of heaven, the truth of God sets us free. Isn't that right? The truth sets us free. Um, and so there's going to be a lot of freedom that happens from religious bondage, um, from false doctrine, and from a lot of the things that you've learned in the past. And again, we've taught this, I've taught this class, probably this will be like my 14th time to teach this class. And I can tell you every single time there are students in our class that are going, why didn't somebody in the church, I've been in the church for 20 years, why didn't somebody tell me? this before. And so I just encourage you to press in. I encourage you to listen. If you get offended, I encourage you to be like a Berean and go search out the scriptures for yourself. Okay. So here are some of the books that I am going to have you read. Um, You're going to be reading the book of Ezra, the book of Haggai, and you're going to be reading um, Zechariah chapters three and four. Um, We're also going to be going through the book of Hebrews And we're also going to be going through the book of Revelation. And so, um, but uh, primarily in the beginning, we will be going through Ezra. Now, Ezra is an historical account of Zerubbabel's life. 
Um, and Haggai and Zechariah are both prophets, and those two books are prophetic books. Um, then uh, the book of, of Hebrews is really a, a revelatory epistle. It's a letter that was written, but it's a letter that brings insight and understanding to the priesthood that you're called to walk in. Okay, And then, of course, the book of Revelation is also a prophetic book. So um, you live in a very interesting generation. You live in actually the most exciting generation, I believe, that will ever exist or live on the earth. The great cloud of witnesses wish that they lived in your generation. They are praying for you that you will be able to receive the fullness of everything that God has for you, and then you will be able to stand in that fullness when the time of trouble arrives. That you will be able to have the fullness of God in you. You will be able to walk as both kings and priests to our God so that you can contain the glory of God that's coming upon the earth and is soon to be poured out. We are on the precipice of the greatest harvest that the world has ever seen. There will be, there's never been one like it and there will never be one like it again because it is the, the harvest of the last days. And this city, Dallas, Texas, plays a huge role in that harvest. And the Lord, many of you are like, why do I live in Dallas? Why did the Lord call me to Dallas? And hopefully through this class, you can learn a lot more about why you're called to be here and the things that you're called to do. God is raising up a generation of a remnant within this generation. And so it explains why you've gone through a lot of the hardship that you've gone through all of these years. Because you're like, man, it's like I've been pressed on every side. And the Lord's like, that's right. I qualified David for his leadership way before he ever became king. He had to be qualified on the run, being chased, being accused, tried to be killed, lost everything. He had no glory, no promotion, no nothing. And he said, but it was unto qualification. He was being qualified for to, to sit on the throne of the nation of Israel. You, over the last 10 to 20 years, have been going through a qualification process so that you will be ready to carry the glory of God when it shows up. Because the thing that the glory of God cannot stand and cannot live in is a heart of pride or someone that thinks they've got it all figured out. Amen? So I want to read you what I wrote because I believe it with all my heart. There is a mature remnant that have gone through the wilderness like David and learned mercy, the fear of the Lord and humility. They have thrown off ambition and the fear of man, and they have embraced a Galatians 2.20 life. It is no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. They are faith-filled kingdom giants prepared to carry the shining of his glory and creating the future with God. They will not listen as the religious spirit screams, but in joy and fierce determination, they will run together like a great and mighty army in perfect unity. That's who you are. That's who you are becoming. 
That's the plan of the Lord all along. The Lord said, I will make you this. It's all on him. Everything that's happened to you in your life, you have been led by God to this moment. You have been called by God. You have been through a sieve by the hand of God so that the dross is taken out of your life, so that you can stand in the day and speak to the mountains and command them to become valleys. This house is an apostolic house of prayer for training you to access heaven the throne room, and to know what to do when you get there, to understand what it is to stand before the king of glory, fall in love, be transformed, let your heart be awakened and opened to all that he wants to say and do in you. And then when you hear and you see, know how to take that like a FedEx delivery man and take it down to the earth so that the earth has to respond to the words and the declarations that you are giving it. Because I'm telling you, the, 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 the generation that's coming, there's not going to be such a thing as an unanswered prayer. There's not going to be such a thing as something that doesn't respond to your words. Because again, you have learned and been taught by God how to dwell in these places of authority. And you have become trusted by God with the things that he wants to see happen in the earth. Because he knows now it's not about you. He knows that everything in your life is about him and him alone and bringing glory to his name. So there are some uh, phrases that you're going to hear me say over and over and over uh, through this teaching, which is going to be the candlesticks, the plumb line, and the capstone. It's not typically stuff that you hear, but it's in the Bible. Um, there are actually three houses that are being built right now. Number one is the false church, and that is the religion which um, the Bible calls the mystery Babylon. Um, this is a worldwide demonically inspired religion, um, and is some of it is Christian, by the way. And uh, there are we can uh, look at the Rainbow Church. You guys know what I'm talking about there, creating a doctrine that justifies sin, saying that that, that evil is good, making the word of God fit lifestyles that are not even part of what God had in his heart, and it's not according to the word of God. And then you have your hyper-grace church, which turns the grace of God into licentiousness, and, and basically an excuse for sin. These are false doctrines, and this is a false church, and they will not be able to stand in the day. In fact, I can guarantee you they're not standing very well right now. The Lord is going to bring them down. And when the true church, this apostolic church arises, the, the people of God, the people, not just the people of God, you will see there will be a great exodus happening with these churches because people are so hungry for the truth because it's the truth that sets them free. And they know they're not free. This apostolic church is raising up and training a surrendered people following the word and the spirit in all things and filled with faith to glorify God. There is no shadow in turning in these light bearers. Now, let me tell you something about people that are in an apostolic church. 
This is an apostolic church. A lot of you that go to this church, you think because you're in an apostolic church that you're participating in this, but I want to give you a warning. Just because you're here, just because you may use the language, doesn't mean that your heart is connected to it. This is about a heart situation. Once your heart, and we were talking about it tonight, it's that eight-inch uh, um, journey from, from, from understanding something here versus having the revelation of it in your heart. And that revelation in your heart will transform you so that you will actually begin to live it out. And you know you're living it out because, again, there will be freedom, there will be surrender, there will be fruitfulness in your life, and no longer will you live a life filled with constant drama and, and constant heartache. And the, and the things of life will no longer destroy you, but you will go forward even though the circumstances haven't changed and you'll eat these giants for breakfast. Doesn't that sound like a good idea? Instead of Wheaties, you'll just eat giants. All right, so I want to begin by telling you a little bit about my story because I, my story is very interesting and it's not interesting because... It's just interesting, but it's interesting because the way that the Lord spoke to me is actually uh, through the years and the events that happened to me, he was actually telling a story for the body of Christ. He was actually using my life events and the things and how he was showing up. It was line upon line, precept upon precept, because he was saying, I have a message for my church and I've unfolded it through your life over the past 20 years. And so is it okay with you if I just share that testimony? All right. So uh, let me just start in the beginning. <clears throat> So uh, um, I'm going to try to do this in about uh, 20 minutes. So it's 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 8:26. Let's see if I can do this. So um, uh, I was. Let me, I'm trying to see where I want to start. I was. Um, whew, I was. Um, 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 okay. No. Should I should I start in Mexico? Okay. All right. All right. So you, you can't ask how I got there, but I was, uh, I was a, a American girl living in Mexico. Didn't speak any Spanish. It was hard. <laughs> all right. So there I was, I was living in Mexico and, um, my, um, ex-husband who, um, bless his heart, um, just had a, a lot of real issues. Um, anyway, alcoholic, adultering alcoholic, let's put it that way. So you can imagine, you know, going to a third world country with him, what that must have been like, um, where, you know, um, the Mexicans love their, their breaks in the middle of the day. And, um, you know, sometimes when we're down there, there can be a lot of alcohol flowing, at least in our circle, that's the way it was. So it was kind of party time. And so it just increased the level of abuse while I was down there. So I only lived there for about two years. And while I was down there, I was really crying out. I didn't know the Lord. Um, I, it doesn't mean that I didn't go to church on holidays. I did go to church on holidays, but I didn't know Jesus and I'd never given my life to the Lord. I just sat there like falling asleep thinking, when is this going to be over? And when is that guy going to quit talking? Does anybody else know what I mean by that? Okay. You, I don't know if anybody's been to that church, but I always seem to end up there, you know, when I went on Christmas and Easter. Anyway, um, so um, I, I just, I was desperate. I was in a horrible, horrible, horrible situation. Nobody I knew spoke my language. I was completely isolated. The business that I had before I went down there, I had to give up. And so I was 
seriously had put myself in a very dangerous situation. And so I was crying out to the Lord, and, and everything down there is cobblestone. And so I would run every day, and I would run on the cobblestone, which, by the way, is not as easy as you would think. Um, and so you kind of do more of a hopping thing. And so I would hop down to the cathedral, and there's one on every corner. These things are, these, these, these cathedrals are just amazing. And I would run past the goddess and god of fertility that were naked and holding corn, and, um, and I would run through the pigeons, and I would get to the doorway of the Catholic Church, and I would just literally cry out to God. I would sit in the pew, and I would cry out week after week after week after week. Um, and I didn't even know what I was saying because, again, I'd never read the Bible and, and didn't really know God. And so I would cry out to God, God, if you'll save me, just save me. And I'm thinking situational, you know, God, will you save me? Help me. <laughs> well, um, so um, one day during um, a situation, an abusive situation, and listen, any woman out there that has gone through um, physical, emotional, or mental abuse, I just want to tell you that there are resources available out there for you, and that I totally understand, and how hard it is to break the cycle of that abuse, because at the time, I mean, the woman that stands before you today is was not the woman um, from like 25 years ago. I didn't know if it was up or down or right or left. And people would, I didn't have a mind because your mind is so brainwashed. And so, um, the, during one of those events of abuse, um, I heard something like a piece of wood crack in my, it sounded like somebody took a two by four and split it in half. And all of a sudden I knew that I could go that I was free to go. And, um, and so I started planning um, almost my escape, if you will. I just started planning how, how am I going to go? Because in, uh, in Mexico, women can't even open their own checking accounts. You have to have a, a father or a husband sign for you. And so I had no access to money. And so my brother that summer said, um, hey, can you come help me? I bought a new house. Can you come help me design it and decorate it? And I thought, okay, this is my, this is my, out. And, um, and so I packed my bags under the auspices of, of, of leaving to go help and then returning. Um, but I packed my daughter's bags. I packed my bags. And so we had three suitcases and I left and never looked back. And I started my life over with three suitcases, no furniture, not even a washer and dryer or a refrigerator. So our refrigerator became an igloo and my washer and dryer became the laundromat down the street. But let me tell you, and I, we slept on the floor um, because we didn't have anything. But I can tell you this. It was the happiest day of my life, the day that I landed in back in America. <laughs> I, was like, oh. I was kissing the ground. I'm not kidding you. I was like, people are talking to me in English, you know? And so I was just so happy. I was happy to be free. I was happy to start over, even though I had nothing. I had no money. I had no car. I had no furniture. I had nothing. But I had, I had hope for a new beginning. And one of the things that I so desired in my heart was to be in love. I wanted to be in love, but I wanted it to be real. But the other thing I knew in my heart is that I had spent almost 14 years in an abusive relationship, and I didn't know how to be healthy. 
And, um, you know, while he may have had his issues, you know, I had mine too. I married him. And so I needed to make a change here in my own heart. And again, I don't know Jesus. I don't know about deliverance. I don't know about any of that. But I knew that I needed counseling. And so I started going to this counselor who was fabulous. What was her name? Jerry Kelly? Man, she was amazing. And, um, and I just said to her, listen, um, I'm here. And I'm not leaving until you kick me out. It could be years. I am not leaving this office. I will come here every week, every week. So for four years, every week, I never missed an appointment. Because the truth is, I may not have loved myself, but I loved my daughters. And I knew that if my daughters were going to have a hope of a different life, I had to be a different kind of mom. And I had to get them away from that kind of environment so they could have a chance to have a different kind of husband. Because I had a revelation that I'd actually married the same man that my mom and my grandmother married. And so I was living the same life, but I wanted something different for them. And so I just said, okay, I'm going to get healthy. And so then we began to get healthy. And of course, um, I didn't mention this part, but we lived a very um, kind of a 1% life. So we we're really, uh, my ex-husband was really wealthy. And so we did a lot of five-star everything. And so I was used to that kind of lifestyle. So of course, where do I settle but Highland Park, right? I don't have two dimes to rub together, but I rented a house in Highland Park, which praise God, my brother helped me with. Anyway, so I thought, okay, I've got to get a job. I've got to get a job. Um, this is going to be really tough because I don't know what I'm going to do. So I got a part-time job. Listen, let me tell you what, if you're looking for a job, you can get a job if you have a job. So get a part-time job. I don't care where you're working, but get a part-time job somewhere. You got to get that, you got to get that ball rolling. Um, and so, um, I took a part-time job at Pottery Barn until I got my full-time job, which is, uh, making Happy Meal toys and, um, for a company in, um, the mid-cities. So then, um, our kids, uh, my kids are going to Highland Park High School and, um, about 18 months or two years after living here, um, I ended up starting a company for Omnicom. Um, called TikTok. And um, then everything was kind of changing, making more money. You know, I was able to pay my own way, take a couple of vacations every year and ended up getting a house, really nice little house in, in the park cities. And um, so things were going pretty good. And then all of a sudden, um, this little girl shows up at my house and her name is Bliss Eckert. And I met her as she was jumping on my bed one day, and I came home from work, and there she was, just like, you know, bonk, 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 and her little hair, her hair was like frizzy out to here, and her hair was like, <laughs> and I, and I, and so I said, you know, who are you, and she said, I'm Bliss, you know, with this effervescent voice, and anyway, long story short, Bliss and my daughter Ashley became best friends, and the best friendship led to, um, uh, and Bliss was John's daughter, <clears throat> and, um, uh, John was a was living in the Park Cities. He was a single dad. There was no other. There wasn't a mom in the in the scenario, and um, and so the his four kids lived with him. So he had kids um, that were teenagers and in middle school. And so he was a single dad. I was a single mom. I had no, you know, my ex lived in Mexico. So um, 
Anyway, so all of his kids started hanging out at my house, and all of my kids started hanging out at his house, but we really didn't know each other, um, and he would just kind of help out with carpool, and so uh, Bliss and Ashley got together and thought, wouldn't it be cool if our parents dated? I didn't think that was a good idea at all. And so I said, no, 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 that's not going to happen. Don't worry about it. That's never going to happen. Dating my daughter's best friend's dad is not a good idea, right? So um, I meet John, and um, when I get home from meeting him, my phone is ringing, and of course, he's asking me out, and I was like, no, 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 no. And so that continued on for, I don't know, three months, I think. (laughs) no we decided or I decided we're just going to be friends but let me tell you something men let me tell you about this man he was the best friend I ever had I was like wow you are making my life so easy there was this one time where I was like over the top and I'll just give you a, a for example take notes single guys so I had, um, I'd worked and I worked like 13, 14 hours cause I dealt with China a lot at night. And, um, and so, and I was again, single mom with two kids, no days off. And, um, and so it was a Friday night. It was one of my kids' birthdays. And the next day, don't know why, because I'm not a planner. Anybody that knows me, Amory knows I'm not a planner. So, uh, next day, at 7 a.m., I was going to be having a garage sale. Now, if you'd seen my garage, it was floor to ceiling, packed full of stuff, right? Well, I had not made any plans for this garage sale. So I get home at about midnight, and my plan is I'm going to go into that garage and work until like 5 a.m. and get all that stuff ready. So when I get home, I, I pull open my garage. Everything has been organized and tagged and ready for the garage sale. All right. That was really that was really putting me over the edge. And then what finally did it was there was this one time when the water department shut off my water to my house and I called them up and I'm like, "What? What is going on?" And they said, "Oh, we made a mistake. It's not your house, but it's the house one street over." And I'm like, "Well, that's great, but it's the weekend and I have no water." And they said, "Yeah, we're not going to be able to turn that back on until Monday." So I'm telling John this story, and he goes, you know what? I think I have a key for that water meter outside. (laughs) And I'm like, what? So we go out. It's raining. I'm holding an umbrella. He gets the key out. He turns my water on, and I'm like, you just found the key to my heart. (laughs) I fell fast in love with this guy. I was like, okay, okay. This guy is my hero. Love this guy. So um, anyway, we started dating. Fast forward about 18 months later, we got married and and combined our big, wonderful uh, six children family. So we needed to get a bigger house, got a bigger house. Everybody had a room. We were those people. Okay. Hallelujah. Um, so again, I am, I'm, I'm working like crazy, talking to, you know, Disney, I'm talking to, I mean, uh, the, because of what I did, I had to talk to a lot of people that were in charge of a lot of business because I'm making 40 million plus toys a month, okay? So it takes a lot of bandwidth to run that kind of, of situation. 
<clears throat> so I had hired this maid, okay? This is going somewhere. I had hired this maid who was wonderful. Um, she's a nice person. Let me rephrase that. She was a terrible maid. Terrible. The worst you can possibly imagine. She couldn't clean. She couldn't cook. She was never on time. She was completely disorganized. My house was never clean. Never. But I was doing somebody a favor. And, I, and so she would go through my house, not kidding you, and I didn't understand this, but she would go through my house with a tambourine. And she would go, and she would go around and she would anoint everything. I didn't know what anointing was, but she put oil on all my stuff. And so they'd just be like, what? <laughs> then the tipping point, okay? So again, John and I are making stupid money. I don't look at the price tags or anything. I just buy whatever I want. We just live this ridiculous life. I had a friend that said, so how are you these days? I said, great, you know, trying to keep up with the Joneses. She said, honey, you are the Joneses. <laughs> so I got this monkey soap dish from Stanley Korshak. And at the time, this was like, I don't know, 25 years ago. I paid like $400 for it. That thing would be like $1,000 today. I mean, it's completely ridiculous. I realize that now, <laughs> but at the time, I loved this monkey soap dish, and it sat in my bedroom, I um, sat in my bathroom, and it held up my soap, made me very happy. So anyway, one day, my monkey soap dish goes missing, so I'm like asking my maid, where's the monkey soap dish? And she said, oh, I threw that thing away, it had a demon. <laughs> what? Why do I hire you? Why do I keep you? So she's telling me things like, yeah, I anointed your bed. You know, the Lord says you're going to have a baby. I'm said, like, woman, I have six teenagers, right? I don't want a baby. So, um, <laughs> all right, fast forward. I don't know. That didn't, I think we had her for what, John, a year? Yeah, John had her too. We shared before we were before we were married. I, I just told him, "Whoa, you need a maid." So I gave him. I shared this really bad maid with him. <laughs> His house got anointed too. <laughs> so, um, uh, so one day, I'm getting ready for work, and um, I all of a sudden, all of a sudden, drum roll, I hear the audible voice of the Lord. And I'm like, what? And I just stood there, like frozen. I mean, there was no doubt in my mind what just happened. Now, again, never read the Bible. So lukewarm. I think the lukewarm churches wouldn't even let me in. I had no interest in the Lord. When we did go to church, I didn't want to, I didn't want to have anything to do with the prayers. I didn't want to, I didn't really like the worship. I just wanted to hear a message so that they could keep my kids from having sex and doing drugs. Right? It was just basically behavior modification, you know? And afterwards we would go, you know, I would leave early. Don't want to talk to anyone. Don't want to see all those Christians. I just needed somebody to fix my kids. So I'm, but I, but I knew that, that, that was the voice of God. And so he said to me, I'm going to write this down because it all starts to make sense. So he said to me this, he said,
He said, rebuild my temple. Now, I'm not Jewish. So I have no clue what that means. But I'm like, then that's what I'm thinking. I'm not Jewish. Why are you saying that to me? I have no clue what you're talking about. So I thought, okay, let's just move on from this experience. I sat there for two hours just letting that thing, it was just washing over me and washing over me. And I couldn't, I like missed a conference call, I'm not kidding you, with the vice president of Disney, just sitting there. I just heard from God. I just heard from God. Wonder what I should do with this. I don't know. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. I don't know. What? Just craziness. So, um, so I thought, okay, 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 shake it off, shake it off. I just need to go about my life. Bam, let's just get on with the getting on. I mean, John and I were the, the, the couple that was, were always wearing black. You would go in my closet, all black. Everything was black. You know, Indie Magazine, we're rubbing elbows with, you know, all the Presbyterians, praise the Lord, love them. And, and just not even really, you know, all we wanted to do is have fun, right? We were having a lot of fun. We're still having a lot of fun, by the way. So uh, I thought this voice would go away. But every day between my wake and between my sleep and my wake state, rebuild my temple. Next day, rebuild my temple. Same voice. Next day, rebuild my temple. This went on for seven days. And so I thought to myself, okay, I think I figured this out. I think that the Lord wants me to go give a message to my Jewish associate. Because obviously, he's the only Jewish person I know. And he wants someone to rebuild a temple. So I'm going to go do that. But I know I can't do it at my office because that would be really weird. And so I'm just going to go to his house. I'm going to go to his house. So I go to his house on a Sunday. And I call him up beforehand. And, I, and, I, I, and I, I'm like, okay, I need to come over. And he's like, why? Now, you have to understand I didn't get to where I was in business because I was a nice person. So when I tell someone I want to come to their house, they don't want me to come to their house. <laughs> so, so I go to his house. He opens the door. Not kidding you. There he is. He's, he's in his bathing suit, no shirt, Jewish star, gold Jewish star hanging around his neck, big hairy chest. And he's like, what? And I said, hey, so I need to talk to you. And he's like, okay, can we come out back? Can we come on out back? We're laying out by the pool. So it was, so it was him and his wife and his mother because they wanted to hear what I had to say. They were like, okay, this is really odd that she would be at our house. <clears throat> so his mother is from New Jersey. She has a red beehive hairdo and um, asked me, and she had, of course, matzo ball soup. Not kidding you. On and and I said no 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 no. Thank you. I don't want matzo ball soup. And so his wife, they're all sitting around and they're like silent. I'm good. So um, uh, I have a message for you. Okay, who's it from? It's it's from God. I mean, not kidding you. They're like, now you have to say, I am the most ungodly woman that they could possibly know. And they're like, okay, we're all ears. I said, well, I heard him say, rebuild my temple. He wants you to go rebuild his temple. (laughs) And he said, what does that mean? 
And, I, and I'm like, I, I have no idea, but you're Jewish and you go to a temple, so I thought maybe you would know. <laughs> it pretty much went downhill from there. So her, his, his mom pipes up and she said, Mikey, I know what it is. It's your dead father. He's talking to you from the grave. I'm like, no, no, no. I, I think it's God. So um, he said, then he said to me the most interesting thing. He said, Tracy, maybe this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go around and give messages to people from God. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. This is actually never going to happen again, ever. And so I left there, and on my way back to our house, I said to the Lord, I said, okay, I did it. I did what you asked me to do. Of course, he didn't ask me to do that, but I, in my own thinking, I did it. Now you you can stop talking to me. (laughs) Right? I am just so ready to get back to my lukewarm Dallas life. Well, he didn't take me up on that invitation. Praise the Lord. And and so uh, the next night... Um, the Holy Spirit came upon me. Now, I didn't, know th- I didn't know that language, and I didn't know what was happening to me, but I was laying there, I was awake, and all of a sudden it felt like a ghost came and laid on the top of me, and I couldn't move. Like, I could move my head, but the rest of my body was frozen. And so I was like, what's happening? What is happening to me right now? And, and I wasn't scared, but yet I was very I was very much in high alert. Um, so all of a sudden, the whole, everything in front of me disappeared. And a three-dimensional, um, like, movie screen came up. Like, I was in it, but yet I could see it. And so um, I was seeing um, uh, uh, warfare over New York City. This was, by the way, 1990. Nine. I've seen warfare over uh, New York City, and I saw angels and demons, and they were fighting over uh, these buildings, and um, and I saw these explosions um, in these buildings, and then I saw uh, these people, and they were all covered in what I thought might have been chemical warfare or something, because they had their their skin and everything on them was covered in this substance. And um, and so this man walked up to me, and he was about this close to me, and the skin was melting off of his face. And it was showing his eyeballs, and he knew he was dying. And he looked to his left, and I followed his eyes, and I could see a pile of dead bodies, um, all covered in the same substance all over them. And I just began to cry. I, I was like aghast at what I was seeing because I was I was not only seeing it, but I was I was feeling it. I was in the moment with these with this man and with these people. So um, <clears throat> anyway, I the, then the dream ended, and I'm like, oh, the thing lifts. I'm 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 like, what just happened to me? I, now you have to understand, I don't know anybody. Not one person in my life except for my crazy maid that has ever heard from God or ever talked to God, 
ever. I didn't know that that was in the Bible. I didn't know that the Bible, that, 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 that in the New Testament, they're all, you know, chatty Cathy. I didn't know that, you know? And so I have no grid what's happening. I have no one to ask. I go to a Bible church. So I think the whole next day, of course, what do I do? I find my Bible. Somebody gave me a Bible like 20 years ago, 30 years from that time. I don't know. It was back when I was in my 20s, like early 20s. Somebody gave me a Bible and it was like a living Bible. You know, the ones that hardcover and they have all of the, they have more people that are explaining the Bible in there than is actually the words of the Bible. You know that Bible? I had that one. It was the Bible for dummies. And so, um, and that's what I, and at the time I did, you know, so anyway, I found it. It was on my shelf. It was like, wow, I carried this around. I brought it home. It found me from, from Mexico. It was one of the things my ex-husband packed and sent back to me. <laughs> so there it was. And I thought, okay, so I opened it up to what book? The book of Revelation. Naturally. Like, I'm going to know what that thing means. I'm like, look at all these animals and heads and eyeballs and seals and this makes absolutely no sense. So, so the next day comes around, next night, bam, it happens again the next night. Holy Spirit comes on me, same scenario, like a ghost, can't move. And so my only question to him is I begin to cry and I asked him, why? Why? Why is this? I knew this was going to happen. I knew this was an event. I knew that America was going to be attacked. I knew that this was absolutely going to happen to us. And so my question was, why? First of all, why are you telling me this? And um, second, why is this going to happen? And so this is what he said. Again, hearing his voice very clear. He said, it's about Babylon. Now, again, not having read the Bible, I, I turned to John, who was like already snoring next to me. But as I wake up, I, 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 I'm like, what is Babylon? What is Babylon? And he's like, uh, it's a tower. <laughs> now, yeah. <laughs> Not one of his finer moments, but still, uh, you know, he was kind of in the vicinity of Babylon. The tower was actually in, okay. Anyway, so the point is, um, you, have, you have dumb and dumber here. I mean, we, not, we have no clue. We are so unchurched. We are so not religious. We are so not whatever. So, so rebuild my temple. It's about Babylon. So, so far, I don't have a whole lot of information, but here's what I do have so far. He said this. He told me there's something about 911. He gave me the date. And I wrote it down in my journal. After I had this encounter, there's something about 911. Now, when he said it's about Babylon, he showed me a pentagram, um, upside down star. I don't know. You guys help me out here. Is that right? I don't know. No. There. Okay. Upside down star. So I saw this, and it was hanging on a satin. 
Is it? That's not it. Okay, sorry. Um, yeah, I don't draw these a lot. <laughs> it's really not in my repertoire. It's not on the floor in my garage with ducks and dead animals. So anyway, you get the idea. Look it up. Google it. Um, okay, so uh, rebuild my temple. He told me 9-11, and then he said it's about Babylon. Okay, so follow me. Um, so if you were a scientist and you were saying to yourself, okay, why is the Lord giving out all of this information? The next thing I saw, I saw, um, I had a dream. Now, I hadn't had prophetic dreams um, before, and I had this very clear dream about the Statue of Liberty. The Statue of Liberty fell, and I heard the audible voice of the Lord in the dream, and he said, you haven't taught your sons to battle, but I'm raising up another generation. And in the place of the Statue of Liberty, I saw what I didn't know, but it was this enormous tree that reached to the heavens, and I saw a group, uh, a generation of young people, and they were erecting this tree and pulling it up with ropes, and they were getting it in place. And then once they had it stabilized, they stood around around it with their hands around it day and night. And there was a sea of these young people. And the people that were touching the tree were surrounded by people that were touching them, that were surrounded by people that were touching them. And it went on and on and on like layers of a cake. And it just went as far as you could see this army of, of people that were holding this tree up. And on the tree um, was written um, the tree of life. Now, again, I don't know what that means. I'm like, I don't know what the tree of life is, you know, but we know what the tree of life is. The tree of life, actually, it's, it's back there. Desire fulfilled is a tree of life. It is, it is Jesus is the tree of life. And so they are standing around him day and night. So 24-7, they are not leaving the presence of the Lord. Day and night, they are standing there, and, and the, where the Statue of Liberty had, had stood, it became the cry of America. It became the, the thing that we began to worship in place of the Statue of Liberty, because true liberty only comes through Christ. Amen? So the next thing that happened is I had this dream um, which is interesting, of Zerubbabel's baby, okay? So I'm pregnant in the dream. John asked me, um, who's the father? Sorry, it was, it was a dream. For a while there, he was like, what? What is happening? Why are you pregnant with somebody else's baby? But then we got around some um, prophetic people, and they helped us that dreams aren't literal. Um, anyway, um, so Zerubbabel's baby. So then I was like, okay, so when he said, who is the father? Again, I hear the audible voice of the Lord. And he said, Zerubbabel is the father. Zerubbabel is the father. Zerubbabel is the father. Now, again, guys, bear with me. How many of you knew about Zerubbabel before I started talking about him tonight? I mean, he's not a main character in the Bible. Well, that's because you go to my church. <laughs> but literally, you never hear about Zerubbabel in the church as a whole. He's not one of the top 10 guys. You know, you know Moses, you know Solomon, you know David, you know whoever they made a veggie tale about. Zerubbabel does not have a veggie tale yet. <laughs> 
Okay. So by this time, oh, by the way, let me just back up when all of this was happening. The, you know, I, I ended up giving my life to the Lord, confessing Jesus as my Lord and Savior. The Lord filled me with the Holy Spirit and uh, baptized me with the Holy Spirit, and I got my prayer language. So I was praying in tongues. The Lord took me to Susan and Terry Moore's church, Sojourn Church. John found someone that, you know, knew what to do with me, um, and they said, take her to Terry. He'll fix her. <laughs> which he did. And we cried. I cried for my first two or three years there. And they were so gracious to John and I and our sixth and then seventh child, Samuel. Um, and so they were so gracious and, and hospitable to us. And they took care of us and they healed us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And they taught us how to live this crazy life we call the spirit-filled life. So there I was um, having Zerubbabel's baby. Well, again, didn't know who Zerubbabel was, so I woke up the next morning, and I was literally thinking, I, I, I never heard of this guy. And so I'm thinking, is that that demon fly god? Seriously, I thought it was Bezebubub or Bezebubub or whoever, you know, bzz, whatever. And um, I was terrified. And of course, I was like, of course I'm having a demon fly God's baby because I have to make penance for everything that I've ever done. So I'm on the floor crying out all morning long in travail, in travail. So you know, the Holy Spirit's so sweet. He's, God is like, would, would somebody send an angel down there and get her up off that floor? So that day I was doing a Chuck Pierce prayer thing. Remember when we all used to follow along Chuck Pierce and it was like, oh yeah, pray. Well, I'm going to pray this this day. I'm going to pray this this day and just joining in. And so that day just happened to be out of the book of Ezra where it says, Zerubbabel rebuild my temple. And I'm like, what? Wait, wait, wait. What? What? Zerubbabel rebuild my temple. Wait a minute. What are you talking about? This is incredible. So I started to read about his life. I went through the book of Ezra. I started to read in Zechariah 4. And, 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 and I started to read in, in, in the book of Haggai and all these promises to Zerubbabel. And I was like, huh, I think I got a tiger by the tail here. So my, my, my question, because this is something's going on here. First of all, I got a Damascus Road experience. I totally got taken out of my life. I was seriously, I mocked the people in the church. Like those people, those little old ladies who were so nice. I was like, eh, whatever, I'll have you for breakfast. I mean, I was not a nice person. And, and I got radically encountered for a purpose. And... I mean, it's a purpose. He wants to love me, and I want to love him. You know, that's, that's good. I mean, he, my heart, all that. But here's the truth. He's saying to a generation, it's time. You're going to rebuild my temple. You're actually going to start looking busy. But it's not going to be the way that it's been in the past. You're not going to rebuild his church. You're going to rebuild his temple. And then he, I don't know how many of you know this, and we'll get into this later, but Zerubbabel actually brought the people out of Babylon to rebuild God's temple. 
And so there's so much here, so much rich history. And when you start to hear over the next several weeks all that God has for us, all that God has for us in this generation, it is going to wreck you because you're like, what? I just thought we were going to church. I thought we were going to... I thought we were going to, you know, save some lost, and I thought we were going to, no, 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 no. I'm telling you, man, it's game on in heaven. Heaven is about to show up in earth in a big way. All right, so Lou Engel, we end up meeting Lou Engel, and he becomes a dear friend of ours, and, um, and in 2005, he prophesies over us that we're going to start the Dallas House of Prayer. And I was like, I'm not starting the Dallas House of Prayer. No, I loved, I, I love IHOP. I got totally blown up at IHOP. Love IHOP. I love to go to IHOP. I don't want to be IHOP. I, I don't want, you know, I mean, no, no. I make money. We make money. We're in the business world, you know. It, that's not on our radar. So we were like, okay, we'll pray about it. And so we prayed about it. And the Lord gave us a dream where we started a school and it was an equipping school to teach people to pray and there was a sign over the top of the door of the school and it said if you teach them to pray you don't have to tell them how to live i want you to let that sink in for a minute remember jesus is our teacher our counselor our comforter our protector our provider Everything is found in Christ. Everything. The people like me, I just should help facilitate what Christ is doing in you. I'm not your Jesus. And the pulpit has become Jesus to so many people, right? Because they haven't heard the truth about who they are and who God created them to be. I'm not bashing the church. I'm not bashing the church. I know it sounds that way, but I love the church. Um, all right. So Lou prophesied that and John and I said, okay, well, yeah, we'll, we'll pray about that. <laughs> so then a whole group of people, Ann Quest, Will Ford, uh, Rick Pino, Herman Martyr. I mean, just all of these leaders in the church got together. And so we we're all like, okay, we're going to pray and see who's going to do the house of prayer. And here's how I'm praying. Oh God, don't let it be me. I'm not kidding you. So we're all in a room and we're all like, okay, we're going to pray. Blah, blah, blah. I'm praying like, oh God, please, please. Uh, anybody, anybody. Look, they're all very popular. Everybody knows their names. It would be really easy for them to get this thing going. Da, 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 da. I have all of these reasons why I'm a girl. I'm a girl. I shouldn't be doing this. I'm a girl. So um, they all prayed. We all prayed. And they all came to the same conclusion. We all heard that it's John and Tracy. And we're like, What? I, I really don't even like prayer that much. I mean, I, I know I have to do it, but it's like, really? I just would rather evangelize. That's where everybody's having fun. Let's just do that, you know? Or or let's go build something for God. I, I, I You know, but being with them, my kids used to call my prayer life a nap. Let's just say that. I finished my list in the first five minutes, and I was like... This is so boring. Okay, I already asked you for everything I want. Why am I still here? I'll just take a nap and whatever. So that was my prayer life. Now, I, I just, you know, let me just 
parenthetical pause here, I, I since have, of course, learned enjoyable prayer, and I've been arrested in my heart, and it's basically all I do now because, you know, he is worthy, and I love to be with him more than anyone else, and my family can tell you that. I mean, they're like, could you come out of prayer now? <laughs> Hang out with us a little? All right, so um, <clears throat> next, John and I are just like, okay, we'll pray about starting the house of prayer. Now, for four years, it took four years. So from the time that the Lord told us to start doing it to the time that we finally decided was four years. Do you think that God is long-suffering? But there came a point where, I wonder if you can still see this. There came a point where God said, uh, no more waiting. So he gave us this, he gave me this dream. And in the dream, I was in IHOP's prayer room. And on the east wall of the IHOP prayer room, there is a, uh, there's a scripture from Ezekiel. And it talks about the Zadok priesthood. And I'm standing there facing the Zadok priesthood wall. And I hear the audible voice of the Lord. And he said, you're not Zadok priests. You're the house of Zerubbabel, governmental authority. Now, that sounds good, doesn't it? Governmental authority. But I got to tell you guys, I'm like, I don't know what governmental authority means. Then th This was back in, in 2006. I don't know about you, but in 2006, I didn't know what governmental authority was. You hear a lot more about it now. But back then, I thought, you want me to register people to vote? I know what you're thinking, Lord, woman. <laughs> but it's true. This is how I was. This is how I processed. It made absolutely no sense to me. I guess I could have prayed, <clears throat> but um, all right. So uh, this is back in 2006. Then our daughter Bliss had her accident, and um, and our whole world came crashing down. So she jumped into a river, broke her neck, and is a quadriplegic. And so our whole world came crashing down. And the whole time while we were uh, helping her recuperate in our home, um, the Holy Spirit kept saying, um, start the house of prayer, start the house of prayer, start the house of prayer. And at that point in our lives, our whole life had so fallen apart. We had no money. We had no energy. We had no hope. Our daughter was in that condition. Um, and it was we were pretty desperate. And I thought, that's not... That's not, that's just, all I could do was cry. I thought, well, what am I going to do? Start a house of prayer for criers? All I can do is cry. And he came to me and he said, if you build my house, I'll build yours. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm not very good. I'm not, I'm not, I haven't done a very good job of building my house. And so um, John and I talked about it. We prayed about it. And um, John felt like, it was the Lord, and I. we were at the point where the Lord said to me, if you don't do this, I'm going to give it to someone else. You know, God always has a plan B. And I thought, well, I don't want, it. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> a little competitive. Uh, so we started it right in our house, and um, we ended up, that thing ended up uh, taking off, and um, long story short, um, you know, I spent the first three months just crying out to God and crying, and he began to meet me in a way that was 
completely, uh, I didn't realize that, that God of the universe would come to just me. He would come to just me. And I began to have these encounters, these visions. I began to hear his voice. I began to feel his presence. I began to go to other places with him. And I'm telling you, I was like, if, if somebody had told me that this is what prayer is, I would have done it. But nobody told me what real prayer is. Nobody taught me how to pray. They would talk about prayer in this stale way, like it's a list. And I, I was like, okay. And then I would go to them and say, just anoint me for prayer, like fairy dust or something, or so it'll just happen. But I just began to do it, and he began to show up, and it was just this incredible encounter. So um, what I gave you, part of what I gave you uh, that is handed out, during 2006, there was a huge outpouring, and the Lord began to talk about Zerubbabel in Dallas. He began to talk about an outpouring of this that would come through the spirit of Zerubbabel. And it is, is about basically a great awakening that God is pouring out. I'm going to tell you some more about it next week, but I encourage you to go through all of these prophecies about Dallas because these aren't just about a city, but they're about a people in a city. You have been called to a geographic area unto glory and unto a purpose. And so as you read through these, especially the EJS students, and then read through the book of Ezra, there are nine chapters. It's not that difficult. And let me do you a favor. You can skip over all of the people that were there. It goes and lists like everybody that made the journey. You're like, you know, okay, these names are really long. Are these important? No, they're not. Not for the purpose of this um, teaching. So um, let me just give you a brief, uh, uh, Rick Pino that year, he was visited by an, the angel of Zechariah 4 that said, it's time to awaken. Stephen Shelley had an angel come to him. Stephen Shelley is a prophet. He had an angel come to him that said the plumb line is in the hand of Zerubbabel. Jeff Jansen had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus appeared to him and said the plumb line is now in the hand of Zerubbabel. And so these, these prophets are all speaking. I had an encounter where I heard the audible voice of the Lord, and he said the truth starts now, which basically the truth is the plumb line. Okay, so... So remember all of that, and um, you'll be tested on it next week. Um, and so we're gonna we're gonna get into uh, some more of the. That was just kind of the prophetic history. So I'm gonna explain more of it to you next week about um, the why, the how, the what, the when, and the when is upon us. So. I'm going to, this is going to be a fast course for you because you actually may be carrying some of this by the time we're finished with it because the glory is coming and it's coming fast and it's almost here. So, um, I just, let me just pray over you. Oh, one more thing. I know you want me to land it. Um, one more thing out of Haggai, out of the book of Haggai. And I want to leave you with this because, um, In Haggai chapter 2, verse 7, it says, I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations, which is Jesus, which is revival. I'm going to shake everything. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. This glory never came in Zerubbabel's temple. That glory never came. He's prophesying to you. He's prophesying to the last generation that will be on the earth. That's who he's prophesying to. 
And so it's important that you understand what the message is to Zerubbabel because it has to do with you. There's a particular dispensation. There's a particular way of how we are to receive the glory so that we can carry the glory so that we can give out the glory. And so this is coming, but it's not coming to everyone. It's coming to a remnant who have been made ready to carry it. And then you will distribute it as the Lord leads. Amen? So, Father, I just thank you for the message to Zerubbabel. I thank you, Father, for the message to your church. I thank you, Father, for the message to Dallas, Texas, to the nation and the nations, God, of what you are doing in the earth, Father. And we say, here we are, God. Send us. Here we are, God. Make us ready for all that you want to do. Pour out your glory, God. Make us ready to be vessels filled with your glory and your presence. And we love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.